0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gratitude Cafe. Of course, uh, today actually is a special show today. Sue, unfortunately, is out of the studio. But in place of that, we're actually going to be bringing you some Dr. Joe Dispenza educational material that was gifted by him and his people. And it gives a sneak peek on what he and his methods are all about. So the footage is actually heard today. It's a huge gift that we're going to be bringing to you. So you definitely want to take advantage of this time today. Some of the things that we'll be learning and hearing from Dr. Joe Dispenza today, it's about creating your future, thinking greater than your environment. Also, your personality creates your personal reality, and you're not doomed by genetics, a wonderful story even about overcoming cancer, and of course, two states of mind survival and creation, and how you can change So, of course, this is a huge opportunity and a gift from Dr. Joe Dispenza. So sit back and enjoy your life for the next hour. Relax. Get out maybe a pen or paper because, of course, you want to take copious notes. So this is going to be a great educational show. Oh, and also don't forget Dr. Joe will be having a weekend workshop May 6th through the 8th. Of course, Sue will be there. And how could you not have asked for a better Mother's Day gift, especially one that's fully immersed of self-love and self-care? All you have to do is find all the workshop links and information in the following newsletter, so make sure you're signed up on Sue Lundquist's website. That's suelundquist.com. So sit back and enjoy the show. From Dr. Joe Dispenza.
1: I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to look him in the eye and introduce yourself as a genius. Let's begin. <laughs> now, geniuses, I have a few questions for you before we begin. How many people in this audience actually believe in the idea that the way you think has some effect on your life? That your thoughts create your life? You believe that, yes? So how many people here actually woke up this morning and consciously created a future? You know, the biggest reason why people don't do it is because you don't really believe it's true. You see, if you knew on a gut level that it was absolutely true, would you ever miss a day? Come on. And would you ever let any thought slip by your awareness that you didn't want to experience? So, your brain, according to neuroscience, is organized to reflect everything you know in your life. Your brain is a record of your environment. It's a record, an artifact of your past. So if you believe this then, then does your environment control your thinking or does your thinking control your environment? So if you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed on the same exact side as you did the day before, you shut the alarm clock off with the same finger, you slip into your favorite slippers, You shuffle into the bathroom and you use the toilet like you always do. Then you walk over to the mirror and you look at yourself to remember who you are. (laughs) Then you get into the shower and you wash yourself in the same routine way. Then you groom yourself to look like everybody expects you to look. Then you go downstairs and you drink coffee out of your favorite mug. Then you drive to work the same way as you did the day before. You see the same people that push the same emotional buttons. You do the exact thing that you know how to do and you memorize and can do so well that you're an expert at. Then you hurry up and rush home so you can hurry up and check your emails. So you could hurry up and go to bed, so you can hurry up and do it all over again. (laughs) Now, here's my question. Did your brain change at all that day? We could say that you were thinking the same thoughts, performing the same actions, That create the same experiences that produce the same emotions, but secretly expecting something to change in your life. Would you agree? So then as the environment turns on different circuits in your brain, you begin to think equal to your environment as you see the same people and go to the same places and do the same things at the same time. It's the external environment that's turning on different circuits in your brain, causing you to think equal to everything that you know. And as long as you think equal to everything that's familiar or known to you, what do you keep creating more of? Same. same life. Now, the quantum law is still applying to you. You're just thinking equal to everything that you know, and you keep creating more of the same. To change, to truly change, is to think greater than your environment. And every great person in history knew this, whether it was William Wallace or Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King, or Queen Elizabeth the or Joan of Arc, they all had a vision. They all had an idea, couldn't see it, couldn't smell it, couldn't taste it, couldn't feel it. But it was alive in their mind. It was so alive in their mind that they began to live as if that reality was actually happening now. So can you believe in a future that you can't see or experience with your senses yet? But you've thought about enough times in your mind That your brain is literally changed to look like the event has already happened? Neuroscience says it's absolutely possible. And can you fall in love with a future potential, by the way, that already exists in the quantum field? And how many potentials exist in the quantum field? Infinite Infinite potentials. Can you pick a potential that already exists in the quantum field and fall in love with that future potential before the experience is made manifest? And begin to emotionally condition your body into believing that future event has already happened to the degree that it begins to signal new genes and new ways so that your body begins to change to look like the event has happened. Now, if your brain and body are physically changed to look like the event has already happened, then in the quantum field, the event has already happened. Now hang on. Because it's going to come in a way that you least expect. Now, why does it have to come in a way that you least expect? Come on, geniuses. Because if you can expect it, it's nothing new. It's more of the same. It's got to come in a way that you would never anticipate, that rocks your world, that leaves no doubt that what you did inside of you produced some result outside of you. And when you can begin to see the results of your efforts, you'll pay attention to what you did and you'll do it again. How many people understand? Now, your personality, your personality creates your personal reality. That's it, it's that simple. And your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So the present personality who's sitting here today, you, Has created the present personal reality called your life would you agree would you also agree then if you wanted to create a new personal reality that on a fundamental level you would have to change the thoughts that you are thinking the behaviors and habits that you're demonstrating and the emotions that you've memorized that's become part of your identity and most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality and it never works we have to become somebody else. So then, as you keep thinking the same thoughts, performing the same actions, and living by the same experiences that produce the same emotions, there's a principle in neuroscience that says, nerve cells that fire together, wire together. And if you keep repeating the same states of mind and body over and over again, your brain begins to fire in the same sequences, in the same patterns, and same combinations. And whenever you make your brain work in a certain way that's called mind mind is the brain in action so as you remind yourself every day who you think you are you're causing your brain to fire in the exact same ways and as they fire and wire in the same patterns over time the brain moves into a very finite signature and that's called your personality now that box in your brain isn't literally a box But it's the most commonly wired, neurologically fired programs that run redundantly because we keep doing the same things over and over again. To change your mind then is to make the brain work in new sequences and new patterns and new combinations. To begin to make the brain work differently. And the one ingredient that allows us to do that is knowledge or information. Because every time you learn something new, you make a new connection in your brain. That's what learning is. Learning is forging new connections. Remembering is maintaining or sustaining those connections. So then, as the person begins to live by the same programs over time, the quantum law of reality says that your environment, your outer world, is an extension of your mind. So as you keep reproducing the same level of mind, you as the quantum observer are observing your life from the same level of mind, and as long as you observe from the same level of mind, your reality will keep showing up the same way. How many people understand? So now, every time you have a thought, you make a chemical. And if you have a great thought, or an unlimited thought, or a joyful thought, you turn on a set of circuits in your brain that fires in a very specific sequence, pattern, and combination that produces a level of mind that turns on another part of the brain that makes a chemical for you to begin to feel exactly the way you were just thinking, great or unlimited or joyful. Now, if you have a negative thought or an unhappy thought or a self-depreciating thought, you turn on a different set of circuits and a different combination, a different sequence and a different pattern that produces a different level of mind, And the brain then begins to make a different batch of chemicals that signals the body for you to begin to feel exactly the way you were just thinking negative or unhappy or unworthy so the moment you begin to feel the way you think because the brain is in constant communication with your body you begin to think the way you feel which makes more chemicals for you to feel the way you think and then you think the way you feel and then you feel the way you think and then you think the way you feel and some people do this for 20 or 30 or 40 years Now the redundancy of that cycle over time creates what I call a state of being and A state of being is when your mind and body are working together or your thoughts and feelings are aligned to a concept so thoughts are the language of the brain and feelings are the language of the body And as people get caught in this cycle of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking over time They condition their body to memorize that emotion as well as the conscious mind And whenever the body knows as well as the mind that's called a habit a habit is when your body is the mind now 95% of who you are by the time you're 35 years old is a set of memorized behaviors set of emotional reactions beliefs perceptions attitudes that run just like a computer program so five percent of your conscious mind begins to work against 95 percent of what you've memorized so the person wants to think positively but they're feeling negatively they want to create their dream board you know and put up their future life but they feel unworthy that's mind and body in opposition we have to recondition the body to a new mind. So if 95% of who you are by the time you're 35 years old is a set of memorized behaviors in which the body is the mind, then to change then is to be greater than your body. Now how many people here, well you'd have to be over 35 for this one, but couldn't consciously remember a phone number, and you walked over to your phone, you looked down at the receiver, And all of a sudden your fingers dialed the number well what's up with that you couldn't consciously remember it but you practiced it so many times that your body knew better than your brain so 95% of who you are is a set of those programs in which the body knows better than the mind or the body becomes the mind so would you agree then if you have an insecure thought you're gonna feel insecure yes And the moment you feel insecure, aren't you going to think more insecure thoughts, which then you're going to feel more insecure, then you're going to think more insecure thoughts, and then you're going to say, I am insecure. And whenever we say, I am anything, what we're saying is our mind and body are working together. Now, some people get caught in these cycles, and they begin to believe that that state of being is who they are. So how does this happen? Feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences, and you can remember experiences better because you can remember how they feel you can remember the birth of your first child you can remember graduating from college you can remember going on that vacation when you graduated from college you can remember the birth of a horse that you have you can remember catching a fish off the coast of Mexico you can remember going home and cooking it for dinner. You can remember drinking that really great Cabernet with the fish and ocean breeze hitting you in the face and the smell of the salt air but you can't remember what you had for dinner the night before it's because routine lulls the brain to sleep now when you're in the midst of an experience everything you're seeing and smelling and tasting and feeling and hearing all of your five senses are plugging you into the environment And as you're beginning to gather all of this vital sensory information from the environment, all of that data begins to rush back to your brain. And as that information goes back to your brain through those five sensory pathways, jungles of neurons begin to organize themselves into patterns to reflect the external event. The moment those neurons string into place, the brain releases a chemical, and that chemical is called a feeling or an emotion. think about this you're geniuses right so if feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences and you're caught in this cycle of thinking and feeling to the point where feelings become the means of thinking or you can't think greater than how you feel and you told me that your thoughts have something to do with your destiny if you're thinking equal to how you're feeling and feelings are a record of the past are you thinking in the future you thinking in the past what are you creating more of Same. same Quantum law still applies, but by very definition, those feelings are a record of the past. Now, your body is your unconscious mind, and it does not know the difference between an actual experience in your life that creates an emotion and an emotion that you fabricate by thought alone. So the person who's caught in the cycle of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking, and they're thinking in their past, Their body, as their unconscious mind, is beginning to believe it's in the same experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, to the body it's living in the past. And we cannot go to a new future or create something new in our life holding on to the emotions of the past. Now, when you and I react to events in our life that are difficult or traumatic When you react to something, there's a chemical change in your body. And the moment you notice some chemical change in your internal state, the moment you notice different, you know, you feel different, you begin to pay attention to whoever or whatever caused that. And that event in and of itself is called a memory. So you react to something in your life, and there's chemical changes in your body. There's a refractory period of chemicals that's running through your bloodstream. And if you don't know how to control your emotional reaction and you allow that emotion to linger for hours or days You know what that's called? That's called a mood. What's wrong with you? Oh, I'm in a mood Why are you in a mood? Well, this thing happened to me six days ago And I'm memorizing my emotional reaction Now, if you allow that emotional reaction to continue for weeks or months, that's called a temperament. What's wrong with him? Oh, he just has an angry temperament. Why are you so angry? Well, this thing happened to me nine months ago, and I'm memorizing my emotional reaction. Now, if we keep that same refractory period that's connected to a past experience running for years on end, That's called a personality trait. So would you agree then, by very definition, people memorize emotions that are connected to their past that they begin to wear as their personality. And so would you agree then that if you wanted to change your personality, you would have to begin to look at those emotions that have branded you, that keep you connected to the past? How many people are still with me? Now, a memory without the emotional charge, is called wisdom. And that's the name of the game. So then, here's a young woman. She's dedicated to her family. She's raising her kids, and she's having a great life, living the dream. And all of a sudden, her husband comes home and says, Listen, I'm moving to Buenos Aires with my two secretaries. Now the woman goes through the normal emotional reactions. She feels anger, she feels resentment, she feels jealousy, she feels envy, she feels victimization. Now what she doesn't know is that every time she recalls that event in her brain, she's producing the same chemistry in the brain and the body as if the event was happening. And as she continues to do it, she keeps teaching her body to live in the past. And her body begins to believe that she's in the same experience over and over again. And as those emotions begin to run and she begins to recall the event, the event begins to create that refractory period and it turns into a mood. And then she keeps it going for months and it turns into a temperament. She keeps it going for years and it turns into a personality trait. And she does this for 20 years. And you come up to her 20 years later and you say why are you this way why are you so angry why are you so bitter why are you so resentful and what do you think she's gonna say I am this way because of this thing that happened to me 20 years ago which really means I'm stuck to my past and I haven't changed in the last 20 years would you agree and I was altered from that event and I haven't been able to make my way back okay another woman raising her family living the dream, with her, raising her children, happily married. All of a sudden, her husband comes home and says, I'm moving to the south of France with my two secretaries and the mailman. <laughs> and she goes through the same emotional reaction as the other lady. But all of a sudden, she realizes that living by this emotion isn't loving to her. And if she really loved her ex-husband truly loved him, she would set him free. So she begins to read books about unconditional love, and she begins to fire and wire new circuits in her brain. She begins to establish networks of neurons to reflect this new mind. She contemplates on it and thinks about it, reinforces the circuits, and then she begins to apply what she learns. And she raises those children by herself, She takes them to all their competitive events and ballet. She goes to school in the evenings. She goes to work during the day. She graduates from college. She she gets a new job at a successful company. Two years later, she falls in love with the senior vice president. He travels the world, and he takes her with her. Three years later, they buy a home in the south of France. Close to her (laughs) ex-husband Then her children graduate college and they get married and she has grandchildren And you approach her 20 years later and you say to her Well, didn't your husband leave you 20 years ago? What do you think she's going to say? That was the best thing that ever happened to me (laughs) What's the difference? You see, one person was defined by the experience And she could never overcome the emotion That became her identity the other person transmuted the emotion into something else and she began to change because of it see we are defined by our adversity and so imagine person who's living in a state of suffering like that first woman for 20 years thinking and feeling in the same cycle those feelings are she can't think greater than how she feels she's thinking in the past she's signaling the same gene over and over again over and over again By the same emotion keeping the same gene turned on and all of a sudden she decides to change after 20 years of this now remember the body has become the mind the servant is now the master and so all of a sudden she shows up back up on the scene and she says today no more complaining no more blaming no more making excuses no more talking about anybody else no more self-pity I'm just going to stop today what do you think the body's going to say Where you been? I've been doing this for the last 20 years. You've programmed me to be this way. I've even modified my receptor sites (laughs) for you. I'm the servant to you. And the body is going to be, as it begins to become the mind, it's going to send signals back to the brain. Because now she's beginning to break that chemical continuity because she's not thinking the same way. She's not acting the same way. She's not feeling the same way. And that breaking that chemical cycle is so unfamiliar. And you can't predict the next feeling when you're outside the box. So then all of a sudden, as she begins to no longer signal the same emotional genes in the same way, the body begins to send information back up through the spinal cord, right up to the thinking brain. I call that the fast track now at the same time chemical levels of suffering are dropping because she's no longer thinking and feeling in the same cycle and there's a thermostat in your brain called the hypothalamus and that hypothalamus all of a sudden begins to sense chemical levels of suffering are going down and it sends a signal to the thinking brain that's called the slow track and the next thing you know she starts to hear these voices in her head you know those voices the ones that say why don't you start tomorrow tomorrow's a better day today's a good day to suffer you're so much like your mother you'll never change what's wrong with me nobody loves me and of course my favorite one is this doesn't feel right now the moment we respond to those sub vocalizations that chatter consciousness Immerses itself right back into the program and we return to thinking the same thoughts Performing the same actions and living by the same emotions, but really expecting something to change in our life How many people are with me? So then we have this faculty as human beings It's called metacognition We can think about how we think it's kind of unique We can pay attention to how we feel we can notice how we're acting and behaving and because we can become conscious of those unconscious states, it means that we could modify our behaviors to do a better job in life. And that's called neuroplasticity, that the brain can actually physically and chemically change when you change your consciousness. That the brain begins to reorganize itself to reflect a new level of mind. So there was an experiment done a little ways back where they took a group of people that were expert prayers. And they took these three vials of DNA And they set these three vials of dna in front of these expert prayers and prayer is a skill just like golf or tennis the more you practice it the better you get at it and they said to these expert prayers with all of your intention intention is just getting clear on what you want it's a cognitive process it's a thought process with all of your thought intention we want you to see this dna winding and unwinding winding and unwinding winding and unwinding practiced it over and over again over and over again at the end of the experiment, when they checked the DNA, guess what happened? Nothing. Intention did absolutely nothing to change the DNA. So then they took another group of expert prayers, and they said, okay, what we want you to do now is we want you to move into an elevated mood. We want you to feel goodwill and joy, and we want you to feel loving kindness, and we want you to radiate this emotion out into the field and just keep doing it over and over again. And at the end of the experiment, they checked the DNA, and guess what happened? Nothing. An elevated emotion like love or compassion did nothing to change the DNA. But when they said to these people, okay, we want you to get very clear in your mind on seeing this DNA either winding or unwinding, and then we want you to move into an elevated emotion of how you would feel if the DNA unwound. Give thanks for it unwinding before it actually unwound. Guess what happened? 25 percent of the dna unwound you see the thoughts that you think are the electrical charge in the quantum field and the feelings that you emote are the magnetic charge in the quantum field and how you think and how you feel broadcasts an electromagnetic signature that influences every single atom in your life the thought sends the signal out And the feeling draws the event back now what are you broadcasting every day because what you are broadcasting you are asking the quantum field to manifest in a way that you would least expect that surprises you so if you're walking around in a state of guilt or suffering you are basically saying okay quantum field bring me an event in my life equal to how I'm feeling and bring it in a way that I could experience more guilt but listen Surprise me Make it unusual Make it different and Leave no doubt that it came from you so that I'm inspired to keep doing this so then karma Karma we live the same lifetime every day. We're not punished for our sins. We're punished by our sins Because as we stay in the same state of being thinking and feeling in the same way We keep creating the same experiences over and over again unmemorize the emotion change your state of being and the karma no longer exists how many people are with me so what if what if you woke up in the morning and you said to yourself what is the greatest ideal of myself that i can be today instead of getting out of bed and doing the same things and thinking the same thoughts and creating the same experiences that produce the same emotions You said to yourself, let me remind myself of who I no longer want to be today. Let me become conscious of those unconscious thoughts that keep me returning back to the same self. I want to become so familiar with them that they would never slip by my awareness again. And what if you said, what behaviors do I demonstrate? What habits do I live by that keep me unconscious? And let me become conscious of how I act And I want to become so aware of these states that I would never go unconscious again. And what if you said, what emotions that I've memorized that's become part of my identity? That's not who I am. That's a record of the past. Let me begin to look at those emotions and how do they drive other emotions and other thoughts and other behaviors. And you began to become conscious and familiar of the old self. And you were so familiar with it. And you'd never go unconscious again. And you made the decision with such a firm intention of who you no longer wanted to be that the energy of the decision overrode the emotion of the addiction that kept you as the same identity and then you said how would a great person think what did nelson mandela know that i don't know what did einstein tesla know that i don't know what did buddha think about and as you begin to think in new ways And you begin to contemplate new ways of being and you begin to explore and speculate new behaviors you begin to make your brain work in new and unusual ways and as you begin to make your brain work differently you're changing your mind now what if you became so involved with what you were thinking about that the thought in your mind literally became the experience that's the privilege of being a human being that we can make thought more real than anything else. And so as you begin to speculate a new way of being and the thought becomes the experience, what's the end product of an experience? Emotion. An emotion. Your body literally begins to believe that that future event is happening to you now. And you literally physically change your brain and emotionally signal new genes in your body. And you're moving into a new state of being. And what if you said, I'm not getting up until I am this person? You would say, Well, how much time do I have? <laughs> I ask myself that question every day. And if you could move into that new state of being, would you agree then you would be broadcasting a whole new electromagnetic signature? Yes? And what if you were able to maintain that modified state of mind and body your entire day? Wouldn't you agree that something should show up differently in your world? Isn't that the law? That your brain is no longer a record of the past, but now it's in fact a map to the future? And you living in that state of being says that I'm greater than my environment, I'm greater than the addictions of the old body, and I'm out of my old line of time. I'm living in a whole new reality. So we had a a middle-aged man who um, was diagnosed with cancer. And um, he was on an elevator and he was getting ready to go to work and he was going up the elevator and he was standing next to a dermatologist. The dermatologist leans over and looks at his face and he says, hey, you know what? Step off the elevator with me. And the dermatologist takes this man off the elevator and he says, listen, my office is right down the, the hallway here. I want to talk to you. You have cancer on your face. And so this guy goes into the dermatologist. It's a malignant melanoma. They freeze it, they cut it out, and they radiate it. Four months later, it grows back on his neck, even larger. He goes back, he gets it frozen, he gets it cut out, he gets it radiated. Four and a half months later, it grows back on his side, but this time it's even bigger. He goes back to the dermatologist, they freeze it, they cut it out, and they radiate it. Now, this guy had seen What the Bleep. He had read my first book. He had been to one of our Level 1 workshops, and he had read, you know, he was pretty well read in a couple other books and concepts about epigenetics, and he stopped, and he said, now what is this marble rolling around in my brain that keeps creating this condition? So he packs up his bags, and he takes his wife to Rosarita Beach in Mexico. He retreats From his familiar life that keeps turning on the same circuits in his brain to remind him who he thinks he is and he sits on the beach and he says what emotion have I memorized that keeps signaling the same gene that's creating this disease and he begins to observe himself in his life and he has the realization that he had spent the last 25 years of his life living in resentment He became so used to living in resentment that that just is who he thought he was. He never even paid attention to it because the feeling became so familiar. How many people are with me? So he takes out a piece of paper and he says, How do I think when I feel this way? And he writes down for the whole day every thought that was driven by that emotion. He closes his eyes and he memorizes the entire list. So much so that he was like Gandalf on the bridge saying you may never pass again and at the end of the day when he had the whole list in his mind and he was completely familiar with all of those thoughts he surrendered them into the quantum field and asked the quantum field to resolve it in a way that was right for him next day he goes back out on the beach he sits under the palapa and he says what behaviors do I demonstrate when I live by this emotion what do I say how do I act and he sits down and he writes down everything he says and how he acts makes this long list and he reviews the list over and over again till he's got it completely committed to memory knows thyself and as he becomes conscious of those unconscious programs at the end of the day he surrenders it to the quantum field and asks it to resolve in a way that's perfect for him Next day he goes out, he says, Now, what emotions does this emotion drive? And he begins to write down impatience and judgment and prejudice and envy, and he writes all these emotions. He begins to observe himself. Now, remember, the more he's observing himself, the more he's not the program, but he's the consciousness observing the program. Would you agree? He's objectifying his subjective mind. And at the end of the day, he surrenders those emotions. The the next day he goes out, he does all three of them together again. He goes over the list over and over until he's got every single thought, every single behavior, every single emotion tapped out. Right around the fifth day, all of a sudden, guess what happens? He starts feeling really happy. Because why? He's no longer firing and wiring the same circuits. He's no longer emotionally signaling the body in the same way. He's no longer turning on the same gene. He's no longer producing the same behaviors that create the same emotions. And his body is all of a sudden becoming freed from the chains of those emotional addictions. And as he begins to feel free, he's liberating energy. He's no longer contracted. The body's no longer living in the past. And when the body breaks free from the chains of those emotional addictions, the side effect is called joy because the body is liberating energy. So now he's got all this available energy. He's broadcasting a whole new signature. And he feels so good, he starts to naturally think about how he's going to be when he returns back into his life. He starts thinking about how he's going to act. What thoughts he does want to put his energy behind. He begins to rehearse new ways of being. And he starts to begin to think about how those experiences would feel. And he starts signaling new genes in new ways. He does it every day for five days. He walks back into his life after ten days. He's in the shower the day of the surgery because... The tumor grew back another time on his calf. That's what motivated him to do this again. But it was about the size of a lemon. And so on the day of that surgery, to have that tumor removed, he was in the shower washing his hair, and he looks down, and the tumor fell off his leg. So then he took the tumor, and he put it in a plastic bag, (laughs) and he called the doctor's office, and he said, What do I do with this thing? They said, Bring it in. Bring it in. We (laughs) want to see it. Now, new personality new personal reality would you agree the tumor existed in the old personality he was somebody else and he couldn't have that disease any longer because it was connected to the old emotion his body was no longer living in the past but now it was living in the future how many people understand so then as he began to emotionally differently he began to literally turn on new genes that began to change his expression of self and as he began to fire and wire new circuits he was installing the new circuitry in his brain the hardware that he could use when he returned back into his life his brain looked like the experience has already happened his body was already emotionally being signaled as if the event was happening he was already living in the future in the present moment how many people are with me that's what we do in our workshops. So then, we live in two states of mind. We either live in a state of survival or we live in a state of creation. Now, living in survival is living in stress. And stress is when your body's knocked out of homeostasis, stress is when your body's knocked out of balance. The stress response is what your body innately does to return itself back to order. You with me? Now, you have three types of stress. You have physical stress, like trauma, accidents, injuries, falls. You have chemical stress, like flus and allergies and pesticides and pollutants and heavy metals and blood sugar levels and, you know, that type of chemical imbalance, toxins. And then you have emotional stress. Traffic jams, internet connections, second mortgages, single parenting, 401Ks, family tragedies. And your body is knocked out of balance in every single one of these things. You with me? Now, all organisms in nature are designed for short-term stress. Gazelle gets chased by a lion, and the gazelle outruns the lion. Fifteen minutes later, it goes back to grazing, and the body returns back to homeostasis. Now, human beings... Do you know that we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone? We can begin to think about some worst-case scenario. And to the exclusion of everything else, we can focus on it to such a degree that we make the thought so real that the body begins to physiologically change as if the event was happening. We knock the body out of balance, and the body begins to believe that that future thing that we're focusing on is happening to us now. How many people are with me? Or we can unfold the past bitter memory that's tattooed in the recesses of our gray matter and boom, and like magic it comes to life and in that moment it's real and the body begins to believe it's in that past event. Now, as we begin to turn on that stress response we're turning on a very primitive nervous system called the fight-or-flight nervous system or what's called the sympathetic nervous system and when we have a sympathetic reaction or a fight-or-flight reaction for some threat in our environment real or imagined we mobilize all of this energy and as we mobilize all of this energy the body's prepared for an emergency situation now here's the problem those emergency chemicals are highly addictive and we begin to associate the problems and conditions in our life with our emotional addiction so that we can remember who we think we are as a somebody. In other words, the bad job, the terrible relationship, at least we can feel something. You know what I mean? Now, think about this. Those chemicals, by a scientific fact, the hormones of stress over time, long-term stress response. In other words, when you turn on the stress response and you can't turn it off, now you're headed for a disease. Because it's a scientific fact that the chemicals of stress long-term push the genetic buttons and down-regulate or dysregulate genes that create disease. Now, think about this. Well, you just said, you agreed with me that you understood that your thoughts, actually you can turn on the stress response just by thinking about things, yes? Yes. And you also agreed that the chemicals of stress can actually push the genetic buttons that create disease. So, when you agree then that it's possible that your thoughts can actually make you sick, Yes, so if your thoughts can make you sick because they can turn on the stress response is it possible that your thoughts make you well so (laughs) Those emotions that are created from the hormones of stress are these emotions anger aggression hatred prejudice frustration fear anxiety depression hopelessness insecurity powerlessness Those are all driven by the hormones of stress and that's what psychology calls normal states of consciousness. Those are the altered states of consciousness. And those emotions do something really amazing. They endorse the ego. And as they endorse the ego, the ego begins to become selfish, ish self-involved, self-centered, self-indulging, self-aggrandizing, full of self-pity. It's all about the self. Now, when the gazelle is being chased by the lion, she's only concerned about three things. You know what she's concerned about? My body. I've got to take care of my body. Where in my environment am I going to go? And how much time do I have to get there? The body, the environment, and time. Now, when you and I live by the hormones of stress, we obsess about our bodies. You know what I mean? Hairstyles what you look like, overweight, underweight? You obsess about things in your environment that you own or you don't own. We obsess about or become overfocused about time because those chemicals of stress cause us to begin to believe that we are a body in this environment living in linear time, and that's not who we are because those chemicals cause us to begin to function as materialists. And the self is something beyond the body in this environment and time. Now, the atom is 99.9999 with 13 zeros after it, percent nothing. It's empty space. It's energy. It's frequency. It's 0.0 with 12 zeros behind it with a 1 on the end, percent particle. And that particle only exists as a momentary phenomenon, and then it disappears. So you're moving in and out of the quantum field 7.8 times per second. And you're actually more energy than you are particle. Poke the person next to you. Don't they feel real? <laughs> so now... When those hormones of stress are running, you and I as quantum observers are focusing on the particle and not on the potential. You with me? And so when you are in a creative state, you know what's so amazing? When you're living in this state of stress, you feel separate from possibility. Would you agree? And you're trying to force and control outcomes in your life. But when you're in a state of creation, something unusual happens. When you're truly creating, you forget about yourself. Don't you you're so involved with what you're doing that you become nobody you become no thing you become no time You become pure consciousness and we have all the biological machinery to do this And when you become truly present in that moment in what you are doing to the degree that you're no longer your identity There's a physiological change that takes place in the brain where your forebrain begins to control the brain it begins to quiet down the circuits in the rest of the brain that have to do with your body the environment and time and you become pure consciousness and the moment that happens your brain captures the thought as the experience and begins to rewire the brain to look like the experience has already happened and isn't it ironic that when we go from being selfish to being selfless we lay down the ego and we become pure consciousness. Only when we are pure consciousness can we walk through the door to the quantum field. You can't enter as a somebody. You've got to enter as a nobody. And isn't it ironic then that in order to have some type of control over your body, you want to change something about your body, you want to change something in your life or your environment, you want to have dominion over time, you want to change a new line of time, that we have to forget about our bodies We have to forget about our environment and we have to forget about time in order to have dominion over them How many people are with me now when you and I are in that elegant state of creation? We're no longer thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking in that same cycle And we're no longer turning on these hormonal centers And if you literally are no longer there you are absent You're pure consciousness You forget about you then you're no longer signaling these hormonal centers and that energy begins to move somewhere and guess where it moves? Right into your heart. Now, this is not a metaphysical concept. This is pure physiology. And when you begin to fall in love with your creation, you want the moment to last. And the moment that happens, you are literally signaling new genes in new ways, and your body's beginning to change. Now, most people wait for what crisis or trauma. Or disease or loss or diagnosis to really want to change they wait to the point where the ego is brought to such a low level that they cannot go on business as usual any longer that's when we begin to look at how we're thinking or what we believe or how we act or our attitude or what emotions we're living by and my message is why wait we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering which tends to be the human model or we can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration now you want to learn the hardest part about all of this you ready the hardest part of all of this the hardest part of all of this (laughs) is making the time to do it that's it that's it making time for your precious self waking up in the morning and beginning to think about a new possibility that exists in the quantum field (laughs) and as your brain begins to speculate new ways of being The frontal lobe looks out over the landscape of the entire brain and it begins to turn on certain circuits that you learned intellectually and other networks of neurons that you've experienced and seamlessly piece this knowledge and experience together to create a new level of mind. And as it begins to do that, you are actually tuning in to a possibility that exists in the quantum field. Now, when is self-love born? you think self-love is born when you get a manicure or a pedicure or... You buy yourself a sports car that's not self-love that's pleasure you know when self-love is born when you're sitting down and your body is raging and it's trying to unseat you telling you that you can't do it or beginning to send signals back to your brain and as it begins to do that and you're sitting there instead of giving into it you say to your body that's all you got (laughs) that's your best you know what i'm gonna wait till you're done and then i'm gonna recondition you to a new mind and you're gonna be so happy that you're happy because right on the other side of your fear is courage it's the same energy right on the other side of your pain is freedom right on the other side of your sadness is bliss it's the same energy it's just trapped in the body And so when you're living in survival, feeling separate from possibility, focusing on the particle instead of possibility or the wave, and you're using your senses to define reality, we're materialists. But when you move into an elevated emotion and you begin to get beyond that state, and your body is freed from the chains of those emotions and you've overcome some aspect of yourself, you feel liberated, you're focusing on the 99.9999% possibility. You're no longer focusing on the particle, and you feel connected to something greater. And you trust in the outcome because you know that you've already experienced it. Now, I call that the natural state of being. That's a natural state of being, that's the normal state of consciousness. And those stress hormones are the altered state of consciousness. And when you and I begin to change the things about ourselves that we don't like in the world, you know what I'm talking about, right? You don't. You can't say you want peace, you know, in the world, in, and then you know, be at odds with your neighbor, drive down the freeway, you know. Hey, you know, that's not. That's mind doing one thing and body doing something else. You know, you don't like the way politics works, where they taking from people, start giving. We have to demonstrate all the changes we want to see in the world to go from thinking to doing to being because you can get a group of meditators to focus on peace and it'll absolutely lower crime rates in a community it's a scientific fact but when those people are done meditating and they leave the community what happens returns right back to the ceiling level it's not enough to just think it We have to demonstrate it. And when you demonstrate greatness in any area of your life, you give people permission to do the same. Would you agree? So as you begin to liberate energy, your body goes from being more particle to more wave. And you liberate energy. Now you have available energy to begin to observe a new destiny with. And you're observing that destiny with your own energy. And you are taking waves of possibility and collapsing them into an event called an experience in your life. And I'm so happy to say that I'm not even here to convince you that it's possible. I already know it's possible. I, I mean, we just came from London this, this past, uh, what's today, Wednesday? <laughs> I got home on Monday and we were teaching an advanced workshop there. And boy, there were so many miraculous miraculous things that happen to people we had a lady that was exposed to a bacteria 15 years ago and she was from London and the bacteria on some level according to the doctors would never leave her body she couldn't eat certain foods she couldn't eat gluten she couldn't eat wheat she couldn't eat anything she was living on a limited diet of fruits and vegetables that's it and she couldn't travel Because anytime she traveled, of course, there was no food that she could eat And then her blood sugar would go down and she'd be further out of balance And she came to our advanced training in Colorado last month And like magic, all of a sudden she's eating anything she wants Now you think she's a happy person? I think that's the greatest compliment you could ever give me Is when people have some type of personal breakthrough and they're free now They're no longer the same personality so then living by the same emotion every single day means nothing new is happening in our life would you agree and living in those emotional states that keep us connected to those lower frequency emotions that keep us focusing on particle or physical matter instead of possibility living by those states over time signals the same gene in the same way and that's what begins to create our genetic diseases Is it possible then as we begin to unmemorize that emotion and the body begins to become free, then you see possibilities that you never saw before because the filter of the emotion has been removed and you're no longer looking at your life from your past. You're seeing possibility again. Wow,
0: what an amazing show we just had. If you just tuned in, you're listening to the Gratitude Cafe. Sue Lundquist is not in the studio today. We, of course, have aired within the last hour some great information and stories provided by Dr. Joe Dispenza and what he's all about. And, of course, take advantage of his weekend workshop coming up on May 6th through the 8th. For more information about that, visit suelundquist.com and or sign up for her newsletter to gather all the information about his workshop coming up in the beginning of May. Have a great day, everybody. Send out the gratitude and love everything about it.